Let's get into some word today. If you're ready, get your Bibles out and uh, turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. It's the last chapter of the first account of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I want to share with you today after seeking the Lord and, and uh, uh, giving some time and consideration and much prayer to, to the, the direction that we should take, I, I have direction. And so we're going to go this route today and, and in the coming weeks, I believe. This is one of the, what I want to talk to you about today is one of the most important revelations that someone can have. If you're, if you're a Christian, you definitely need to know this. Uh, it has been largely unknown. When I say largely, I'm talking in the church world uh, for a long time. And if it's unknown, it's, if it's unknown by the leaders, it's untaught. And if it's untaught by the leaders, you can see why most people don't uh, understand it. And even though it's very, it's very basic in Scripture, you know, if you've ever been like me, you've read some verses a thousand times, and then the next time you read it, dun-da-da, suddenly the Lord snuck something in there when you weren't looking. And uh, uh, the result of, of not knowing this truth is it, it's a lack of power. It is um, a defeated life. Uh, it leaves many God-loving people in limbo, meaning that they are wondering why they're not being successful in overcoming or getting their healing or, uh, you know, having other victories in life, changes aren't really manifesting. And not knowing this truth, like I said, it produces those lack of results. It really does. Uh, in fact, without this knowledge, uh, prayers are powerless. Demons harass people unchecked, even Christians. Um, sometimes there are generations of, of meaning in families of illness. They keep coming up generation after generation and people kind of accept it. That's in our, in our genes, that kind of thing. And, uh, and sometimes, generation after generation, people are addicted to, this, to various substances, and it kind of follows the family, and, uh, and, and, and other times, uh, it's behavioral. Uh, <laughs> I mean, generation after generation, family keeps doing the same dumb things. <laughs> Why do you do that? Why do you do such dumb things? Well, my dad did it, and my mom did it, and my grandpa did it, my great-grandpa did it. I can't help it. <laughs> and, uh, but th these things can be stopped. These things can be changed. They can be broken. But there's, a, there's a, a basic revelation that you need to have. Amen? Well, let's read Matthew 28. And, uh, and notice with me in verse 18, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying... All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. 
Now, now that passage, those uh, two, uh, three verses right there, they're some of the most quoted verses in the Bible, uh, in churches, by pastors, by ministers. It's, it is commonly referred to as, anybody know what that scripture is called? The Great Commission, right? This is, a, this is our assignment, right? This is, in essence, where we get our, our mission to reach the lost and teach the found, all right? We just reworded Jesus. <laughs> you know, this and other passages. But uh, this is called the Great Commission. Yet hidden within it is a great truth about how God gets things accomplished in the earth. Did, did you catch that? How God gets what he wants done on earth. You say, what do you mean? Doesn't God just get what he wants done with his godness? No, he doesn't. He gets it done through people. And it is through what, what is called delegated authority. In essence, what Jesus said here in, in, in verse 18, when he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, and then, then the following verse, go therefore. In essence, what Jesus is saying here is, I have th the authority, and I'm giving it to you. That's another way to say that. I've been given all authority. I'm giving it to you to carry out my will. I'm authorizing you. I'm giving you the right to go out and do what I want done. In other words, he didn't say, I have all authority now, so I'm going to take, I'm going to clean up this mess. I have all authority, so I'm kicking the devil out. I mean, wouldn't that be a logical progression of thought? I have all authority, so trust, everything's fine now. You'll never have a problem again in your life. The earth will run like a like a clock from here on out, no hindrances, no problems. No, that's not what he said. That's never been God's design. It's not how he wants things to happen. It's not according to his plan. He said, all authority is given to me, and so I'm giving it to you. I don't mean that we retain it as the, as the final holder of it, but we do live in it and utilize it and function with this authority that was given to him. Amen? And so, uh, th there's a common, uh, common question, common statement, common question people often ask, especially in the church world, and, and it has to do with control. It has to do with who's in control, all right? Who's running things? Who's in charge? Who's the boss? <laughs> Who is in control? A, a common belief that has been taught and is continually quoted, continually said as if it's a scripture, um, and that is this belief that God controls everything. It's amazing, but this, uh, it's, a, it's an extreme belief. It's very radical and very debilitating, but it is taught regularly, and I want us to, uh, if you've been taught this or you think this or say this, listen, under, just slow down and process with me because I might, you know, what do they say? Tip over your sacred cows or barbecue your sacred cows or, or, or whatever. Uh, sometimes we make holy things that we've believed or have been taught because, you know, we like the one who taught us or something. 
Uh, it does not mean it doesn't necessarily mean it's scriptural. And, and, and so uh, the, the, the long version of that is if God controls everything, then he decides who lives, who dies, when they live, when they die. He decides uh, who is sick. He decides who is healthy. Um, he decides who's blessed. He decides who's cursed. You gotta understand, if, if, if you're saying he controls everything, those are the things that are happening. He's always deciding who gets the job and who doesn't get the job, who, right? He, he, he's, de, he, he's making all the decisions, who succeeds and who fails. Um, if you take this thought to its, to its logical conclusion, then you would also have to include he decides who gets raped, he decides who gets abused, right? He, and he decides who, who, who doesn't then. He decides who recovers and who doesn't. Um, he decides who gets murdered. He, ultimately, then, you have to take this to the end. He decides who goes to heaven. He decides who goes to hell. And if he wants you in hell, you might as well not even try. <laughs> right? And we know from Scripture that he doesn't want anyone to perish, right? He wants all to come. So, you know, it's like, I don't think that can be. Well, if, if that can't be or if you can't make the statement about all that, then you have to back off from the statement that God runs everything or he controls everything. You have to back off from that. And if that's the case that he doesn't control everything, well, then what does? Who does? Who, who decides? And Amen. So this is, a, this is an elementary basic understanding um, that we all need. If we get it, the rest of the Bible makes sense. I mean, that might be an overstatement. I mean, I don't mean it. But it, it, in large parts, so much of Scripture makes sense. So much of life makes sense. When you understand the principles that we're talking about here regarding, regarding being in control, okay? Um, if God controls all outcomes... Uh, then our involvement is unnecessary. It really, that principle of that belief contradicts the promotion of personal responsibility. If you're going to say you're responsible for your own life, for your own future, it's up to you whether, you know, doing the right thing with your money is going to determine where you are in the future with your, with your money. It, but if God's controlling everything, then no. I, I don't really have anything to do with that. Ultimately, I'm kind of in pride, I think, to even, to even think that I do. To even think that my efforts count or that I make a difference. And watch, if that statement is um, all-inclusive and accurate, then my prayers pretty much unnecessary. I mean, we would never say it this way, but we would say, Lord, help if you want to. And if you don't, don't. Actually, you're going to do whatever you want to do anyway, so why am I praying? Amen. <laughs> if, if we really believe that, then our prayers are unnecessary 
our, our personal, you know, commitments to God, our, 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 our uh, disciplines, unnecessary. Self-control goes out the window, even though scripturally that's fruit of the Spirit, but it's not real. Because if, 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 if God controls everything, that I don't control anything, and that there's no self in this control word. There's no self-control. It's all God control. Everybody okay? And by the way, preaching the gospel, why would we do that? Well, why, would I, why would I work real hard to try to best, best I can do, present the gospel in a, in a way that I think people can receive it? I should just sit back and say, admit, I mean, maybe, maybe I should do nothing, but maybe I should just say, well, if anyone wants to get saved, I guess that's between you and God, so... See you later. <laughs> He'll work it out. But that's, not, that's inconsistent with the Scripture. Uh, what happens on earth is neither a, a complete and full working of God, nor is it completely absent of Him, and it's all us. What you experience in your life is neither 100% God nor 100% you. There is a, a, a combining of, of activities. There is a cooperation, hopefully. There is a working of God toward you, in you, through you. And then there is your response to what he does. There is him, the giver. There is us, the receivers. There is God, the giver of gifts. There is us, hopefully, the user of gifts. Yeah. Both are essential. I don't mean that we can do it without God. We can't. But he doesn't do it, won't do it, was never his plan to do it without us. That is not the kind of person, not the kind of people that God created. We're not... You know, puppets, as, we, as you say. And he's just kind of dictating every, everything we do. There is the God element, the God side. There is our side. You hear me talk about that regarding salvation regularly. God did his part. Now it's your part. Now what are you going to do? Now it's our response to that. And, and it's not just eternal life that works that way. There is everything. That's why there are promises given. He gives us promises. So why? Why does he tell us about the promises? So we have the opportunity to believe them. He tells me what he wants, what he wants to do. He promises a, a provision, a great blessing, so that I can say, I believe that. I accept that. I'm going to live as if you're real <laughs> and on the throne. And I'm going to act like what you said is going to happen. That's faith. But then again, faith is unnecessary if he's controlling everything. But if there is the God side and then the, the human being side, his activity and then our response to it, then his promise is necessary and also my, my faith in his promise is necessary. Amen? For, for by grace we are saved through faith. I can't get saved just by faith. I need something to believe. That's the grace of God. Yet if, the, yet if all it is is the grace of God, then everybody would be saved. That would be universalism. 
right? Everyone's just saved by grace. What, no one has to believe anything? Well, it actually requires both. God's hand of grace and our hand of faith, they come together and the will of, the will of God is done. Everybody okay? All right. Uh, uh, I, I want us to turn. No, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you, you, I, I want to go to Ephesians. I don't want to go there yet, though. Ephesians 2, if you want to get a head start. Uh, uh, the, the, the mentality that is often encouraged is, uh, I mean, in church circles, is a hands-off mentality. That if we're really spiritual, if we're really in faith, then we take our hands off of life. We're not going to touch because we are letting God do it. In fact, sometimes cute little sayings come up, (laughs) clever little phrases. One of them goes like this. We just need to let go and let God. And that sounds like, yeah, I just need to let go of stuff. And I'm just asking, is that really what he wants us to do? Is that really biblical? Now, if you're talking about letting go of worry or fear or something and giving that up, kind of I can see it, yeah. But even in those cases, you know, the scripture says to cast all of your care upon the Lord. So even when you're, when you're full of anxiety and worry and fear, you say, you just need to give that up. Kind of, but there is really activity involved. I mean, no, you don't just, well, I'm just going to not do that anymore. Well, that's hard because it stays with you. It takes intentional effort to say, I am casting this away from me. I am refusing to worry, to fear. So even in that letting go, it's not completely passive on our part. There is assertion and and, an aggressive activity to to get rid of it. And so are are we just to get out of the way? Is that our, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian today, is it your highest goal to get out of the way of God or would it be better described as participation with God? We don't want to just sit back, but we want to actively participate. We want to be a part of what he, he, he is doing. Uh, you might remember this scripture. It's 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Paul writes to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Interesting language for a, for a let go and let God kind of person. Fight, Timothy, fight. Fight this faith fight. Get in the ring. Put up your dukes, your faith dukes. I don't know why these are called dukes. It's probably a reason. Uh, And fight. Get in there and battle this thing. How? By faith. So even with a a, a power, a, a... a, a force, if you will, from heaven inside of us called faith, there is still a fight to it. Say, but I thought we were supposed to rest in faith. That's also true. There are these different words are used, uh, meaning we cease from our own labors. But there is, a, there is a work that is not human in origin. It's not performance-driven, but it's still a fight. He goes on to say, 
Lay hold on eternal life. Is lay hold different than let go? It's just the opposite. So does the Lord want us to let go of life, let go of his promises, his will? No, or does he want us to lay hold of it? You know, you think about the, the guys who, who ride the bulls. Any bull riders in the house? Okay. <laughs> you know, and they, they strap their, their, how do they do that? They get that underneath, don't they? And they, they wrap their hand in there. It's like, that has got to be the craziest thing you could do. <laughs> it's like, you really want to wrap your hand in there? I guess it comes out when they get bucked off, but sometimes, huh? Uh, but they're, they're going to ride that thing. They're doing everything they can to stay on for, what, their eight seconds. They want to stay on that thing, so they're doing what's necessary. Think there should be that kind of attitude with us. With the will of God, with the promises of God, with, with, with the word of God where we're saying, this is, I'm staying on this thing. All hell wants to buck me off. All of life wants to buck me out of God's will and his plan, but I'm going to get in here and buckle in, wrap, strap myself in so I do not get knocked off when the wind starts blowing or life starts bucking. Yeah? He said, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have kept, confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So, so our job then is to lay hold, not to let go. We are instructed... If we are instructed to do something, to do anything, the Lord instructs us to do something, uh, we cannot then expect God to do it for us. It would be a, a misinterpretation to say, well, the Lord told me to do that, but I'm just going to pray that he does it. Okay, say, say what? Well, how about Jesus teaching in Mark chapter 11 about, about moving mountains? He said, remember, he said, if, have faith in God, have the faith of God. If you will say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe the things that you say will come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. I mean, no, there's no God speaking to the mountain in that verse. Mark eleven twenty three. No God moving your mountain, no God speaking to your mountain. Uh, it's it's the, the person doing it. So if we're in charge of mountain moving, and mountain speak. Obviously, we're typically thinking of that in a figurative sense, obstacles to our life, challenges that we face. If, 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 he, if he said, this is how mountains are moved by you believing and you speaking, then it would be incorrect for us to say, Lord, move my mountain. I've got this great problem. I'm trusting you to move it out of the way. So if he assigns something to us and then we sit back and assign it back to him, <laughs> That's improper, right? If, uh, if parents assign their children a task, uh, your job is, uh, little Johnny, is to uh, take out the trash. You take out the trash. What if little Johnny doesn't take out the trash? How I many know parents are not advised to do the trash taking out for little Johnny? They should make little Johnny take out the trash. And if the trash, if little Johnny doesn't take out the trash, the trash doesn't get taken out. And we do, we, you know, as if those were parents, you know, you do yourself harm. 
in the long term if you start asking them to do something then doing it for them. And God won't do that. What happens is we live year after year with the trash because he told us to take it out. And we're saying, Lord, would you just take it out for me? I mean, I'm tired and I'm incapable. And and how many know you wouldn't have asked Johnny to take out the trash if he had no legs? (laughs) Or was somehow physically incapable of doing it? You wouldn't assign him. And God's not assigning anything to us to do if we are incapable of doing it. Even if we believe we are. And we say, Lord, I just can't do this. I just don't have the strength. I just don't. And we sit back year after year wondering why God's not taking care of it. Well, because it's been assigned. It's been delegated. It's been given to us. Well, I'm just going to let go and let God enjoy the trash. It's going to build up. Enjoy the view of the mountain. Right? It's going to stay. And it is our job to determine what is in my control. What has he assigned to me? What has he delegated that I carry out? And what is he going to take care of? The answer to that question is, is huge. If I don't know it, I'm confused and, and, you know, in limbo, like I said before, many of my days, I'm sitting back not knowing why stuff's not happening. Sometimes if we do that to our kids and we do all their chores for them, then they grow up thinking God's that way. And they come into church and they want someone just to pray away all their problems. I got this problem, this problem, this problem. Would you pray for me? Well, we'd be happy to pray for you, but probably our, some of our prayers sometimes have to go, Father, uh, uh, get them off their rear end. Prompt them, inspire them to do what you told them to do. Because I know you're not going to do it for them. Amen. Amen. <laughs> right? I mean, if we're biblical, then Okay. But many times people are praying for God to do something he told them to do. And those prayers never get answered. We're at a stalemate. He told us to do it and we're asking him to do it. You move your mountain. Lord, just move my mountain. Maybe I need more people. Get a prayer chain going. Put it out on social media. Everybody pray. Hallelujah. Did you find Ephesians 2? I got to hurry up. I'm running out of my first time session time here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. What spirit is that? The prince of the power of the air working right now in the sons of disobedience among whom we also uh, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath just as others so he's saying a bunch of people right now they are called children of wrath and he's saying to the church in, in Ephesus and you guys used to be you used to be children of wrath. Say, so, well, I thought we were all children of God on the earth. Well, that's not true. 
Just because someone says it a bunch of times doesn't mean it's true. We're not all children of God. Jesus said the opposite, and this scripture says the opposite. There are children of wrath. Yikes, that doesn't even sound appealing. I don't want to be one. Uh, but there's a spirit that works in people. Listen to this same verse, or not the all three, but uh, verse two from the Amplified Bible. It reads, in which at one time you walked habitually, you were following the course and fashion of this world, were under the sway of the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving who go against the purpose of God. So I want you to notice that language of how the spirit works in someone. Another way to say that is they live under the control of. So when we, when we say, who's in control? Well, in large part, it depends who you're talking about. It depends what you're talking about. And, and we can see that a whole lot of people, everyone pre-Christ is influenced by this uh, prince of the power of the air. They're doing things uh, that they don't really want to do. And they can't break free. They're, un- they're living under the control. of. So if we, we were to just ask, well, who's in control? Well, who's in control here in these verses with this group of people? The prince of the power of the air, not God. God's not controlling their lives. This other spirit is, right? And so um, uh, this, this principle, J- Jesus taught, uh, taught these things in, in John 8, 34. He, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Well, so who's can control there? Sin is in control. If someone's a slave, they're being controlled by another. Someone else is deciding where they go, what they do. And when someone sins, whenever people sin, they subject themselves to that sin. That sin becomes their master, their boss, their, their, their controller, if you will. Uh, we're told this in Paul's writing to Romans, to the Romans uh, 6 verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, Okay, that's talking to believers now, crucified with Jesus. That the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So he's saying, before you received eternal life, you were a slave to sin. But now, once you get saved, you're no longer a slave to sin. So it used to control you, but once you get saved, you're no longer under that control. Everybody with me? Okay, and so uh, if we're no longer slaves, then we would say we are free. No longer a slave to sin, now you are free. Well, free to do what? Well, in essence, whatever you want. I mean, if you're free, then you make your own decisions. If you're not free, someone else makes the decisions for you. Someone else controls you. If you're free... See, my arms are tied up. If I'm handcuffed, I'm not free. I'm limited in what I can do. If I'm free, I do with my hands whatever I want to do. I decide. When someone's a slave to sin, they're being controlled by it. But once they're set free, they do what they want to do. They are free to control their own lives. 
Now, if that makes anyone nervous, I don't think we should control our own lives. Yes, you should. I'm not talking about in rebellion to God because we voluntarily submit our lives to him. But still, he doesn't force us. How many know if the Lord were to force us, we would all be much better than we are. (laughs) I think the Lord gets his way in all of our lives. Listen, (laughs) we could tell some stories of some wrongdoing because the Lord still doesn't force us. Amen. I mean, everyone would tithe and probably double or triple tithe, right? <laughs> if the, no, but that's up to us. He leaves that up to us. He's not making us. People would pray. People, yeah. Everyone in the church would serve. We'd have the, we'd have the best thing going on in the world. I mean, I think we're up there. But it would just be the most amazing, it would be heaven on earth, wouldn't it? But he's not controlling everything. But good news, sin is no longer uh, in mastery over us. It no longer has the ability to, to, to force us. When someone says today, uh, especially a Christian, if they say, well, I can't help myself. I keep doing these things. I keep, you know, acting this way, reacting this way, saying these things doing these things to my body, doing, I can't can't help myself. That's incorrect for the believer. And what needs to happen is a mind renewal real quick because the enemy will continue to exert force and pressure and control over your life even though legally he has no authority. He will still do it to anyone who doesn't know about their freedom. Someone can still easily, they receive Jesus and they believe they're going to heaven, okay? So they've got that part figured out and that's huge. But in this life, they still talk like, I can't help myself. I can't control myself. I can't stop doing this. I I know it's wrong, but I can't stop. Here's where it needs to stop, right here. the, The mouth needs to change and align with the word and say, I am no longer a slave to sin. I am no longer under control of that prince of the power of the air. Now I live free. Now I live uh, completely able to serve God by my choice. Yeah. But the enemy will still dominate people through deception, through a lack of knowledge, through an absence of revelation. Amen. But if we get this, I tell you, everything changes. The Christian life starts to be lived like he intended. He's the Lord. He's, the, he's God. And we, under him, exert uh, influence over the earth and in our lives and over many things that we'll talk about in, 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 in the coming days. And so what if it's up to us? Who gets saved? Who gets healed? Who gets delivered? Who gets strengthened? What if that's not really up to God? What if the church world for, for generations has said, oh yeah, it's the Lord, it's, the, it's up to Him, whether it happens or it doesn't happen, if it's up to Him. And what if it's not? What if He said, I turn that over to you? You take out the trash. 
What if that's, what if that's possible? What if he turned these, these things that, that so many people think that's out of my control? Well, I can't do that. I'm not God. But we know you're not God, but what if you can do that anyway? And our lack of results is because we're thinking, the Lord, we're just waiting on the Lord whenever he decides to do it. And what if he's saying, I've put my word in your mouth. (laughs) I've put my word in your heart. I've given you my promise. I've given you instruction. If you will say this, if you will do this, circumstances will change. What if our fate is in our own hands? Hallelujah. By the way, Satan works very hard to keep this information away from people. Very, very hard. And if this is a totally different message, if you throw it out quick, you lose. If you already know this, some of you know this, and you'll just be strengthened in this more and more. If this is brand new, you've never heard of it, and you're just going to say, ah, I've never heard it like that before. You didn't give God a chance to teach, to teach you something. If you, if you legitimately study the word and come to the conclusion, I don't think that's right, then at least you're honest with, before God with the word. But we've got to give, our, give some space for him to teach us to be who we are called to be. I tell you, when you know who you are, what you've got, the devil's afraid of you. But he's not afraid of, 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 of people, of Christians who don't know who they are, don't know what they have, and they're thinking, God's just running everything. Hallelujah. How many know? I'm done. How many know? Uh, <laughs> how many know? Uh, <laughs> salvation belongs to every sinner. Every person presently on the, on, on the planet, every person in here that's not saved, every person has never received eternal life. Salvation belongs to them. What do I mean? It, what, do you, what do you mean it belongs to them? I mean, Jesus paid for it and gave it to them. Say, so, well, why don't they have it? It's not because God is, is holding them back. It's because they have not said, I'll take one of those. I believe, I receive for me eternal life. It's, see, is it that easy? It really is. It really is. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for working in us now. Thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit in our midst, in our lives. Glory to God, glory to God. Thank you, thank you for the manifestation of your spirit in our lives. We recognize the working of your spirit and we know it's our, it's our, our obligation to cooperate with you, to yield to you, to listen to your voice and to act on what you say. So Lord, we yield ourselves to you. Use us as you, as you please, as you desire. We are your vessels. We want you to work in us and through us mighty in our midst you are we give you all the glory all the praise all the honor thank you lord for the presence of the holy spirit here right now helping us teaching us showing us revealing to us glory to god glory to god we honor you in all of our ways we honor you with our praise with our thanks recognizing what you've called us to do recognizing what you want us to do Lord, we worship you.